Thank you for listening to the Convergence House of Prayer podcast. Please enjoy this message by Pastor Greg Seamus. Good morning. God is good. Isn't he? In fact, first of all, you've got to tell your face that. And then secondly, you've got to tell your neighbor that. So just look over your neighbor, smile at him really big and say, God is good. God is so good. Do you know that uh, his throne is forever settled? Right? That his throne is forever, forever settled? Do you know that the Lord is pouring out his spirit all over the earth? Yeah, he is. And that, that hundreds and thousands of people are getting saved constantly. I was going to say every minute, but I don't know if that, I'm, I'm really careful about, you know, information that leaves my mouth, but I, I would just say that, that the Lord is pouring his spirit out. So there's a lot of good news. And regardless of what is, is, is spiraling like politically in our nation, God is on the throne, right? And I was, I was, I, honey, can you bring my Bible up? That would be important. Bring my Bible up. And I felt like I just had a, a, a word. So if you can go ahead and turn the second. I mean, I have a word, but this is, this is, a, this is a, a word, word. It's just a simple. And, I, and I'm, I'm really, um, really wanting to jump into the kingdom message in a few weeks. I don't know when that's going to be, actually. But it all ties in with Ecclesia anyway. And uh, you could be praying while you're turning. Did I tell you what, what book? No. But you have your Bibles. Yes. That's good. That's good. Second, first Peter. First Peter. And so um, that the Lord has called us to be the salt of the earth. Right? And he's called us to be a light to the, to the world, right? And so, so that's what we're, what we're supposed to do. And um, that we need to pray for all those that are in authority over us. Oh, man. You're like, where is he going today? Oh, I would love to go there, but I'm not, I don't feel released to yet. Oh, uh, but, I, you know, it'd be nice if I found First Peter. I know it's tucked away in the back somewhere. Uh, let me just kind of give you, this is really, this passage of scripture has really helped me. First um, Peter chapter 2, and then I'll, we'll look at verse 13. But this is just a word before the word, all right? And so, uh, let me, you know, for me, personally, context is, is, is everything when it comes to the scriptures. So it's really important for me to not only, I don't want to just pull a portion of scripture out of, out of the Bible and apply it to my context, Initially, I want to take it and I want to set it in the context of actually what was happening in that day, right? So you can kind of get the full blast of the scripture. And so here in First Peter, uh, what's taking place is, is the ecclesias are, are being uh, formed and Peter is writing to a group of believers. This is the setting where Nero is uh, actually the Roman emperor at that time, and he is persecuting Christians. Not only is he persecuting Christians, 
he, uh, he, I believe he burned his own city and he blamed it on believers. So he had actually caused a catastrophe and he actually blamed it on Christians. And so Christians weren't being persecuted in the context of, hey, don't say that publicly. Christians were being persecuted by burning them at the stake. So they were, they were, rolled, in, uh, they were rolled in tar and they were, they were put in fields and they were lit on fire uh, and they were burning through the night. And so if you understand the setting of 1 Peter and you understand what he's writing about, I mean, you understand that, that kind of a backdrop, then you begin to understand a little bit about what he's saying here about submission to leaders. Now, how can, first, how can Peter, the apostle Peter, write a letter to the ecclesia under, in the midst of that kind of persecution and say, submit? Isn't that kind of a wild thought? So, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13 says, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as the supreme authority or to the governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. He's writing this particular portion of scripture almost as Christians are being rolled in tar. Verse 15, for it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God and honor the king. Excuse me, fear God and honor. The, I can get the fear God, but honor the king when he's rolling them in tar and using them as, as light in the middle of, of their fields in the evening. And so I, I just feel like it's important for us to, I'm really zealous for the kingdom of God to be expanded in our country, not a political party. And I know that there are a number of people who hold different views, especially in this room, because we have so many different backgrounds and, you know, we have such, so many different rich cultures here. But my, you know, when I watch the news, I try and stay up on the news, try and stay up on, I don't try and stay up, I don't stay up at night <laughs> watching the news, but I try and stay like up on some of the things that are happening and um, I would love to see more posts on Facebook and Twitter that are about praying for our president instead of condemning them. Now, you can judge this for yourself, but if we would actually pray more and condemn less, we might see real change in our country. But it's not, the, it's not a political change, it's a kingdom change. That's what I'm zealous for. Because Jesus said that we need to repent and we need to, because the kingdom of God is at hand, 
And he's actually went through the work of the, the crown of thorns in his head and the 39 lashes in his back and pushed up on a cross and died and was resurrected for the kingdom of God to advance, not a political party. Now, how that settles with you is fine. I'm not, I'm not here. That's why it was a short word. <laughs> it was a short word. But what I want to do is I want to hone back into the scripture. And this says to honor. And if Peter can say, honor the king, when the king is actually uh, accusing and persecuting Christians and rolling them up in tar and lighting their fields at night, we can certainly honor this one. And if we, what if we just honored and prayed and see and let and and then that creates a, 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 I was going to say, what do you call a portal, for heaven to be opened up over our country. And then let's see what God can do, because that's what I'm interested in. If it's left up to men without God, it's utter chaos. But when God's in the picture then he's the one. He's the one who we just sang who calms the storm. He's the one who speaks peace. And so I would just encourage you, I was thinking about this, just doing this, now, now that I'm saying it, I, I, might, I might have to own it. It's just writing one, a one-sentence prayer every single day for our president. Lord, just give him wisdom, period. Lord, just give him whatever it is. And honestly, if you can't pray for him, then you need to talk to Jesus. You need to talk to Jesus about what's going on there because that's what the word says. In Romans, it says, pray for those who are in authority over us. Oh, boy. So I can safely say, I can honestly and safely say, and I think we would all be in agreement today, that Jesus is not Democrat or Republican. Can we say that? But he is a king. And he has sons and daughters who are royalty. That's his family. And we are to bring his kingdom with him. Right? We are to co-labor with the Lord. So please don't get caught up in the political spirit and put your feet down into the soil of God's kingdom and understand the spirit realm and what the Lord wants to do in and through you as a believer. Is that okay? I didn't shut down anybody. You guys are all thinking, right? You're looking at me. You're staring at me. I mean, you wouldn't be staring at anything else, I don't think. Like, those are blue lights back there. So... But anyway, I just want to encourage you with that, all right? So, Lord, we just pray for our country. We pray for those that are in authority. We might not agree with them. We might be very, very against some of the policies. But, Lord God, we we take a kingdom stand this morning as believers, as those who follow Christ, those who actually bear and carry another government that are walking within another cabinet 
That's the kingdom cabinet that we've been chosen and picked by our king to function in. Lord, I just pray that you give us wisdom, you give us revelation on how to act and what to say to advance the kingdom of God. So we pray for those that are in authority. We ask that you would bless them. We ask that, you're, that you would renew their mind, renew their thinking. God, we pray that dreams would be breaking into their life in the middle of the night. We pray for divine encounters, Lord God. We pray for people around them, bring people around them that have the testimony and the word of the Lord. We just, we just pray. We pray for unity in our country. We pray for unity, Lord God, from every race in our country, God. And you're the God of peace. You're the God of unity. And we just pray from that place. We're, we pray from heaven to earth. We pray from heaven to earth into our nation. And we won't stop praying. And God, we are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. We are the city on the hill. We are the head and not the tail. So we take our authority, we stand in it, and we walk in it, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so uh, now that it's really quiet, <clears throat> yesterday I was, in, I was in Chico. I got to share this one-minute funny story. So how many were in Chico yesterday? Put your hands up. We, June, you guys know June? June, our June? June, our June? Yeah, June, our June, Seahawks June, yeah. In, it, but we're in, we're in September, but it was our June. She got married yesterday in Chico, and I was married. Wait, what? She got married. Okay, that wasn't it. So if you don't know what that is, just write it down and say, wait, what? So got married yesterday. So the first wedding I've done, I've done hundreds of weddings. First wedding I've done where the, the arch fell on my head. No one got a picture of it. I would have loved to shown the picture of you of it. it it's, so we were, out in the, we were out in the baseball field, and it was, you know, when they were mounting it, because it, it was a morning wedding. Has anyone ever been to a morning wedding? That's the first wedding I've ever done at 10 a.m. How does a bride get ready before 10? That's, that's really, you know, the groomsmen, they, they sleep in their suits. They don't care. So... You know, so there they are, and it's like 10 a.m., and uh, we had a number of Seahawk people there, and I guess, you know, anyway, there's the arch, and I was right in the middle of their, like, wedding, like the, the, uh, the ring ceremony, you know, this is the ring, you know, we're going to, and he was right in the middle of, you know, like, putting the ring on her finger, and he was repeating after me, and all I felt was this thing go crashing on my head, <laughs> all these flowers go like this everywhere, and it wasn't heavy, so it wasn't like I was... You know, <laughs> I was like, where are we at? Are we in Fremont? You know, I didn't get a concussion or anything, but, <clears throat> but it was an event. It was, it was quick. And I, and I, and I was told that I handled it well. I said, no prophetic words. I don't need any, all your prophetic intercessors. Now something was, there's something significant about it falling down on the pastor's head. You know, that was, that's. There's something there. There's something there. Lord Jesus, give me revelation right now. And I could, I could just see them, you know, like getting an impartation revelation. I was, anyway, that's fun. The other thing is that um, we'll be in Philadelphia this week. Wendy and I will be in Philadelphia. We'll be actually preaching at Casilla uh, Thursday night, Thursday or Friday night in Philadelphia um, at an at a East Coast gathering. And so the Lord's really opening up some very cool 
doors for the, the message. And I told you that the, I believe the message is global. And uh, so we also have an invitation about going to the Philippines and, and speaking four or five times in, the, in uh, Manila, Philippines. And so we're praying about that. And I just feel like the Lord is uh, anointing his word and his message. And so just be praying for us, covering. If you, if you think of us during the week, just pray for us for covering while we're in Philadelphia because we just really would love uh, our home, you know, to be covering us as we minister. So uh, I just super encourage about that. Okay, Matthew chapter 28. <clears throat> Let's go ahead and jump there. And what I would like to do is kind of wrap up what I started last week. And we wanted to look at verses, uh, actually just one verse. Matthew 28, verse 19. And last week, if you guys, how many, a lot of people were here last week. I'm not going to, we had the pickle jar, right? Remember? You guys remember? Like, I feel like that's a month ago, but it was just last week. So we had, we had one that was empty with a cucumber in it. And we had another, how many guys like pickles? Yeah, how many don't? It's like, why did God, why did someone ever create that? All right. So I'm with the don't side, personally. I'm not a don't, I'm not a pickle. Sweet, sour, doesn't matter. That's not my, but Wendy loves them. You know how you marry your opposite? Anyway, so, so, um, so we talked about this out of Matthew 28 in the context of, remember, that ecclesia is used 115 times in the New Testament. So it's just not Matthew 16, verse, verse, 9, or verse 16, verse 18, where he says, you know, um, I will build my ecclesia, right? That's the, that's the word. And the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. So, so, but it's actually used 115 times, 114 times more in the New Testament. So in, in Revelation chapter one, when he's writing to the churches, the word there isn't church. The word there is ecclesia, Right? So if you didn't catch the messaging in, uh, I think it was, we started in October, grab the tape series and get caught up. I think I spent eight weeks just talking about Ecclesia. And I'm thinking about, we have all these new people coming in. It's like, they're going to look at the Ecclesia, what? What's what's this dude talking about, you know? So um, at some point, we'll have some stuff on the web that we're developing and it'll help you just kind of understand, get the foundation of what that all means. So back to Matthew 28, verse 19, says, therefore, as you go, I'm gonna read it the way it should be like written, but we'll, therefore, as you go, make disciples or learners uh, of all nations, baptizing or baptizo, which means dipping and submerging, which we'll go over in just a moment, dipping and submerging them into the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So what's key for us is just a couple things. One, baptizing doesn't mean that you take a nation and you put them in water and they come back up out of the water. Baptizing a nation uh, is much more of a process than what you would see a pastor do standing behind a water baptismal tank and then baptizing people in water and coming out. Like it, it can certainly mean that, but, it's, but it's, that word has far greater impact. So 
Just a quick show of hands. How many were here last week? Just put your hands up. Okay, good. So a lot of you were here last week. So we know that baptism was a transliteration, and we, we kind of discussed that, and that there's two actual uh, words for the word baptism, and that one of them is bapto, and the other one's baptizio. Let's try that together. Bapto and baptizios. So, good. Wow, you guys are getting some Greek stuff down. They go, I guess that's not really, anyway, it is. So, um, and so bapto means to, was, is, means to just to dip. And that's when we had the cucumber you know, thing in front of us where we talked, we could take a cucumber and how they process it. This was actually written four, three or 400 years before Jesus even came to the earth. Is that they, they would put it in, they would uh, have hot water. They would take a cucumber. They would dip the cucumber in hot water. And then, which is what they call bapto, they would dip the cucumber in hot water, and that, that, that short dip actually softens the outside of the cucumber and makes it ready for, it, for the, the vinegar to actually penetrate. And so you have the initial encounter called bapto, and then you have the, the submerging, the permanent submersion, we call that baptizo. And that's what the passage is talking about. So, so if you take this, con- this idea of, because you have to go back into the context and see what the writers were trying to say, and then, and then go back to their world, if I can use that, and make the application in the 20th century. Right now, if I wanted a pickle, I'd go to Safeway. Or I'd go to Costco. Or I'd look for sales on pickles. Or I'd go to a farmer's market. Or whatever, you know. Today, we don't, you know, we have all these things, right? But back then, this is how they did it. So they would take the cucumber, they put it in hot water, and it's the initial baptizing that actually softens the outside, the pores, and prepares it for the, for the plunge, all right? Or the submersion, right? So, so hopefully, when you read Matthew 28, 19, you'll never read it the same again. Uh, the same again, like there's, there's new revelation around that particular portion of scripture. So he wants us to not only dip, but we, he wants us to submerge nations. Well, how do you do that? Like how, isn't the things that Jesus says like super challenging sometimes? So in Matthew chapter six, verse nine, he says, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What's the will of God? Your kingdom come, your will be be done where on earth as it is in heaven that is the initial assignment that Jesus gives us in Matthew 6 in Matthew 16 he expands it takes his disciples to the gates and he says Peter gives the revelation that he's the Christ and based on the fact that he's king and ruler that's what Christ means king and ruler he says that's a great revelation and that's true and on that on that declaration, on that truth, I will build my ecclesia and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. 
What's the will of God? On earth as it is in heaven. Who did he just deputize? He just deputized all those who follow Jesus and he calls them an ecclesia. What's the role and function of the ecclesia? The ecclesia is penetrate the gates. And he says, I'll give you keys. And I know, I'm gonna, I know this is repetitive for a moment, but the devil doesn't have keys. In other words, the devil can only intimidate because he can't even, he can't even secure gates that you have keys for. Jesus has all the keys. He has all authority. And he's commissioned you to go ahead and penetrate these gates that the enemy has no keys for. We have the keys. They're closed, but we have the keys. So we have to understand, we have to pray for certain keys that actually open certain gates. And so travel with me from Matthew 16 over to Matthew 28. Matthew 6, Matthew 16, Matthew 28. And there he says, he gives us the commission. He pulls them together. He says, go. He said, as you go, make disciples of all nations, bapto and baptizio, dip and submerge them into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Dip and submerge them into the very essence of God himself. And then he says in verse 20, he says to teach them to obey, which is a whole nother can of worms that we don't want to, but the truth is, is that, oh, the truth is, is that the name, oh, Greg, the name Christian has lost its power. It's better to say these days, I'm a follower of Jesus. I mean, you could say Christian, that's fine. But Christian kind of defines a religion. Jesus didn't bring a religion. He brought a government. Jesus didn't start a religion. He brought a government. And it's called the kingdom. And he's king. So that, that has to, we have to begin to shift our paradigm a little bit. To understand that we're not part of a Christian religion. We're part of a king's government. And we are his administrators. And he says we're his ambassadors. Does that make sense? Are we all on the same? I don't look over here that often. I'm noticing that. That makes sense? Hey, guys. That makes sense? Can I I just share with you a little bit about an ambassador? Thanks, Jordan. Ambassadors are sent from one country or one government into a particular, let's say it's Egypt, for the sake of Egypt, and the actual uh, place that the building is set on is actually owned by the government that the ambassador came from. And his job is to actually represent 
that government on foreign soil. That makes sense? Do you know that an ambassador never has to worry about their needs being met? Do you know an ambassador's that an ambassador is resourced from the government that they came from? Which gives us great perspective to Matthew chapter 6 where it says, don't worry about anything. Why? Because you're an ambassador. And ambassadors are taking, and ambassadors are resourced from the country that they come from. So as a follower of Jesus, as a believer, we are actually resourced from heaven. And we have a good father who's also well-established, right? And he sends us out into this world as representatives of his kingdom. You know what that means? Say, what? What (laughs) Trying to have fun with you guys. That means that this is our constitution. And this represents his kingdom. So the ambassador of another country, let's say the United States, actually represents the constitution of the country that they came from. So the question would be to the ambassador, uh, what about, just pick any topic, we're not going to say it out loud, what about this topic? And And the ambassador says, well, my government says this. Because the role of the ambassador is to represent the government that he came from. So if the question is, what's your opinion on, oh, let's take a really... Real, like, no one's talking about this at all. Let's talk about homosexuality. Right? It's not my opinion. My government says this. Why? Because you're an ambassador. That's kingdom thinking. That's not, that's not um, republic thinking. That makes sense? Are you guys okay? So uh, that's, a hot, that's a hot potato. It's like, let's push that. But it could be, it could be, it could be, any, it could be anything that's actually clear here. And what the enemy will try and do is muddy this. Try and muddy this so that we're confused about what the government says. The kingdom government. Now I'm talking to you straight up as, I'm using government in, in, a, in the context of understanding, you know, I want you to understand king, I'm not using kingdom, I'm using government, just so please try and make the separation. But, but we're, we're people who, had, who are from another government, we bear that government where we're at as ambassadors. And we represent, we try and represent our government well by how we live, by what we say, and really it takes the pressure off of what what we would consider our personal belief. Oh, Lord, hopefully that... It's very freeing for me to say 
I really don't hold a personal position on that except to say I know what the word says. Doesn't that take the pressure off? Thing is, we have to know what the word says. So if we don't know what the word says, how do we know what the word says to represent the word well and to represent our king well? We want to represent our king well. Why? Because we're joint heirs. We're co-laborers. We're sons and daughters. I mean, I'm praying for a movement that's not so caught up in what their personal opinions are as much as what does the word of God say and take that position. That's why I said when the word of God says, when our, oh, why am I doing this today? Constitution says, pray for our leaders that's not something that we say, should I or shouldn't I? No. This is what it says. So we pray. Makes it easy. You guys got it? So we have to be, we are kingdom people. I'll say it again until I get more than four or five amens. We are kingdom people. And this is the challenge for us. Teach us what it means to be a kingdom person and help me to live that reality on the earth. Friends, it's more than just signs and wonders. It's more than just, I, there's no pain in heaven. So there's no pain here. It's more than just praying for the sick. It's living this out and understanding what it says as the ecclesy of God. So he says, teach in verse 20 and obey. Now, do I, do I, do I like hit a thousand? Do I go 10 for 10? I'm, I'm a basketball player. So do I make 10? That's it. Do I, make, do I make 10 shots in a row? No, I hope. From half court or whatever, I should make them from the free throw line. But do I make 100, 200 in a row? No, I miss. Yeah. So I'm not, what I'm trying to say is that we're not perfect, but we try and represent our government well. We try and represent the kingdom well. And if we understand that we're kingdom-minded and we're, we walk in a, in a different from heaven to earth and we, ha, we have the word of God as our, let's just say our constitution, I'm using those kinds of words, and that he's actually chosen us, which is kind of how a cabinet is chosen by a president. They're not elected, they're chosen. And they're chosen and he has, cho- he has brought us close to him to represent him well. And he's brought us close to him, and I'll just use more, uh, in a love relationship, you know, not a, not a business, in this, in this love relationship to represent him well. And that's our calling. That's what we get to do. 
That's not what we have to do. We get to see prisoners set free. We get to see chains break. We get to see souls saved. We get to see those in wheelchairs walk. We get to see marriages restored. We get to see broken families brought together and restored. Why? Because we bear the name of Jesus, we walk in kingly authority, and we actually move into people into positions of how they were created. And that is to love God. I mean, it's so simple to me. But yet at the same time, we, we wrestle with the dynamic. And I just want you guys, I just really want to encourage you guys, do not get distracted. I mean, I'm a big sports guy. And so when I saw the tweet by Trump and I saw, you know, this, this, you know, Steph Curry's one of my favorite players, you know, and all this, I just, I felt like I just got, I got, I got, I got drafted right into it. You know, and I was following this and I was Fox News that and what's he doing there and all this. I'm just like, the Lord just reminded me about his kingdom. The Lord just reminded me, don't get caught up in the political spirit. They don't. Like, be aware and pray. That's my job. Can we just pray for our leaders? Back to the scripture. So, verse 20, which we don't have time to unpack, means to, tells us to teach And it also tells us to obey. And do you guys know that obedience is a good thing? For some reason we for some reason we think it's it's probably our sinful nature or whatever. But it's a it's a good thing. So what I what I wanted to do, I wanted to kind of put an application on Matthew twenty eight. And in the next few minutes I, I kind of went down a little bit of a road, but I thought that was good for me to do that. <clears throat> so how, how do we get started with baptizing nations? How do we get started with discipling nations? Like, what are some like, practical things that we can do? Maybe you could jot this down. Um, as the ecclesia, we bapto, remember that's the initial the initial submersion, right, in the hot water, bapto through claiming things and through declarations and prophetic acts and commitments into the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know, when, and I just keep hearing, I just don't have time, we, have, we just hear tremendous testimonies about what the Lord's doing. Here's a simple way of bapt, using the word bapto. I don't know where you work, but when you go into the business, you begin to pray for it. What are you doing? You're, you're dipping them into the reality of God through your prayers. If you go to a college or you go to a high school, junior high, whatever, you begin to make a declaration that your school is going to be saved. That's the initial bapto. That's the initial declaration what we gave is we gave, when we did the um, Every Home and Ecclesia, we gave every one of you packets who wanted it. 
We have 100 homes who are committing themselves to be ecclesias, but we give 100 packets. So what was in the packets? There was oil, there was a stick, and there was a, there was a card in that packet. And we said, we want you to bapto. We didn't say it then, but that's what, the, that's what we did. Open your front door of your house and welcome Jesus in. Just open your front door in your house. Welcome Jesus in. Make a commitment to bapto your home. Take the oil and just put it on every, above every door frame of your house. And make a declaration. You know, if you have little ones, you know, and they're like two or three or four years old, just say, they will serve Jesus. They will follow God. They're going to be nation changers. They're going to be world changers. You're actually putting that cucumber in the hot water and you're softening it for something to take place. It's, it's a, it's a bat toe. I'm trying to use the language so you can get it. I'm using it over and over again so we can get it. So simple things like taking, a, taking that little piece of wood, the little steak, you know, but it really is kind of like a popsicle stick, right? You know, it's not like a big old, like, oh, you know, it's, and you just, you just kneel down in the front of your house and you drive it in the front of your lawn or in a planter or some balcony. What? And you write scripture on it when he's, she's going to correct me. So she's going to expand what I'm saying. And so you, but what is that? That's, that's the initial commitment. That's the bapto. That's like my home is going to be a place where the love of God burns bright. My home is going to be a sanctuary in my neighborhood. My home is going to be a light in a dark place. Like I'm making this initial commitment. I'm making this, I'm doing this prophetic act. I'm making this declaration as a bapto to disciple nations. And the beautiful thing is in the Bay Area, the nations are here. And so I'm, believe me, in my neighborhood, I have, I could just tell you just on the houses on my left and right, there's, there could be three or four different nations represented there. Is that true? So, so that's, these are simple, like, practical ways to begin to, what I call, bapto that place. Prayer walk your neighborhood. I know you guys are doing your Fitbit 10,000 steps, your 5,000 steps, or whatever you get in. You know, when you walk, if you walk your neighborhood, Pray. Don't complain about politics. Pray. Right? So, so let's be praying. Let's, be, let's begin that process of, of baptoing. You know, when I remember when we gave out these, these ecclesia cards like two months ago, man, I, I couldn't believe the, the amazing response saying, I, I want my home to be an ecclesia. I don't even know what it means. We kind of talked about it, but what was that? That was, when you filled that card out, that's, that you were baptoing your home. You were taking that and you were plunging it and you're saying, I want my home to be an ecclesia for God. And you're, you're submerging that in the hot water. Now the process of actually that becoming a reality takes time as you submerge it. And I believe that, I mean, we, we hit 16 keys, right? of making your home a, uh, uh, an ecclesia, 16 keys. We're going to begin to unpack that for you so you guys can figure out, like, this is how you do it. This is how, this is what it looks like. And so those are simple ways of getting our homes 
getting our, our places of work or wherever, baptized. The other one is, is through the raw power of God. And I, I would just encourage you guys, in, just around, just in this place, this doesn't need to be repeated, but I'll repeat it anyway. Pray for those who are sick. Pray for signs and wonders to be released. Pray for the raw power of God to come and to minister. If you see someone there and they're talking about they're not feeling good, lay hand, ask them first, and then lay hands on them and believe God for them, right? So the passage that's really been stirring in me, the last is a very familiar portion of scripture. Why don't you go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And we just came from a staff retreat for the last three or four days and kind of shared with the team what this, you know, just what the Lord's speaking to me through this particular portion of scripture. And if you have your, if, I, I don't, yeah, go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and then we'll just, we'll just kind of wrap it up. When I came to you, brothers, I did not come to you with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and much trembling. Verse 4. My message and my preaching were not with wise or persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. So that, why? So that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. To me, sometimes it's, well, I shouldn't say sometimes, it's always, I should say, it's always better to show them than tell them. I mean, tell them, but show them. And so in a day when there's like, people can listen to 30 podcasts in a week and they can be wowed by wisdom, it's better to move in power. So that faith, your faith might not rest on what I say, but on God's power. So that their faith doesn't rest on what you say, but on God's power. I don't know what they said, but I know what God did. I, I really don't know a whole lot. All I know is that I couldn't walk and now I can. Remember the story? Well, how can these men do? How can these men? How? how I, I don't, you know what? I don't know. I don't even want to get involved in it. All I know is that I was blind, but now I see. That's all I know. His faith didn't rest on the people who prayed for him or Jesus himself. He, all I know is this. I was blind, but now I see. It rests on the raw power of God, not men's wisdom. Yeah. Let's chase after that. Right. Like, let's go this week as we step out and we begin to, you begin to baptize nations when you go to lunch somewhere. As you go, release the bapto. Pray for people. Bless people. 
Encourage people. You know, pray for infirmities. Let's see God move in people's lives. And when we do that, they actually open themselves. I don't know of anyone who's been healed that was close to hearing the gospel. I mean, that is the gospel, but the language of the gospel. Look for needs and meet them. I mean, the reason why Jesus gained an audience, not was, it wasn't just because of his great teaching, is that there were 5,000 people who needed food. And he fed them. So this is how we bapto. And then the last thing is, and then we want to baptizo people. We want to submerge them into the teachings of God. And if you go to the Transform Our World conference, which I hope you do, because we have Bill Johnson and John Arnott and a bunch of people, there's, there's actually two rails at the, the Ecclesia. One train, it's called the Ecclesia. That's the focus. There's two rails. There's the, there's the city transformation and there's the power rail. That's signs and wonders and miracles. And that's the track Bill and John Arnott and Ken Gott, those three guys, which we have Ken Gott here on the 15th of October. No one's ever heard of Ken Gott, probably, right? Ken Gott what? Ken Gott? You know? Who's Ken Gott? Ken Gott was very instrumental in the Toronto Blessing with John Arnott. And Ken actually pastors a house of prayer. They just turned into a house of prayer in Sunderland, England. And that's the place where Smith Wigglesworth ministered. Kind of the, so, so he kind of took up the mantle of Wigglesworth in their area. And so he's coming from England here to Convergence. He'd be at the conference, but he'd be here. And then we have Brian Burton on the October 8th, and he's, he has tens of thousands in his ecclesia in Thailand, and he's British. Isn't that hilarious? So anyway, I think it's really funny. But anyway, but anyway he, he, got, he broke the traditional church because he said he's, he, was, he was serving, he was planting for eight years. He had 43 people in his church. And then he grabbed a hold of Luke 10, bless, fellowship, minister, and proclaim. And now there's tens of thousands of people, part of his. They've taken over Thailand, literally. So they'll be with us on the 8th. And so they've, they're actually, the reason why I bring them up, and this is, I promise I close here promise, that they're actually baptizing nations. They're submerging them into the teachings of the Lord Jesus with signs and wonders and miracles. School systems are saying, please teach the Bible here. Like there's, can you imagine the Bay Area where schools, the school systems would say, please bring the Bible into our school, right? You know, we, we long for that kind of transformation, but it's going to be amazing to actually hear testimony of what God's doing in these nations. So it would inspire us. But they're actually taking this portion of Scripture where they're not just dipping things into water. They're actually submerging nations into the teachings of, of the Lord Jesus. But you can, we can be praying about how do I submerge, the, how does my company become submerged in the teachings of the Lord? How does, the, how does my business, how does, how does the place where I work, how does this hospital, how does this school, how does, how do, Lord, I need a, I need a Holy Spirit blueprint that can drop down from heaven 
and be put into my heart on how to do that because that's what your word tells me. So I use Matthew 28, 19, disciple and baptize as actually targets, right? These are goals I want to pursue. And the Lord is, is you know, he's, he's a good dad and he's not going to tell us to reach for something that we can't obtain. So let's obtain it. Like, let's believe it. Oh, Lord. Well, then who actually does it? Well, the ecclesia does. And when we understand our position, we understand our assignment, we understand our authority, we understand he's given us keys, I believe we can. I believe, oh, Lord, help me. I believe we can. I know I'm mellow today because I'm tired. I believe we can. And, uh, and I believe that, that he has equipped you to do it. And he's equipped me to do it. And please don't, don't, don't take the spectator role. It's way too fun to serve Jesus. Then to be a, being a spectator is just boring. But when you engage with the Holy Spirit, you'll see the adventure unfold. Amen. Let's stand. You know, in our, in our staff retreat, uh, we were Monday night. We were, we were up in the mountains. You know how that goes, right? You're up in the mountains. I'm not a mountain guy. I'm, a, I'm an ocean guy, but I like the mountains. And so um, in the middle of worship, somewhere as we were gathering, uh, I don't know if I had an open vision or if I had a, a picture, and I felt like the Lord was, was uh, I just saw keys that were dangling down, and he wanted, his, he wanted the ecclesia to reach for the keys. In other, words, in other words, these keys are available for us. What keys are you talking about, Greg? I'm talking about keys that unlock gates. Well, what do you mean by that? I, can I just be as simple as saying this? You know, there's a key that unlocks the gate of your rebellious child. There's a key that actually unlocks the gate of a broken marriage. There's a key that unlocks the gate of, of a business that doesn't, you know, of a workplace that doesn't know Jesus. There are keys for everything. And like I said before, the key that worked for Noah is not going to be the same key that works for Gideon. Right? Gideon, if he just said, you know what, that worked for Noah, so let's go ahead and I'll defeat these 10,000 Midianites, I'm going to build a boat. (laughs) And it's going to be this amazing ark. It's going to take me 100 years to build it, but I know that's what worked for Noah. So it's going to work for me. It doesn't work that way. And I feel like each one of you are, are so important to the Lord. And I know there are things that are pressing on you. And I just want to encourage you this afternoon to, to look up, like Jordan said this morning, like look up and see these, get a picture of these keys that are hanging there that the Lord is wanting us to reach for. Because the word says, if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. But if we don't know that there are keys there, then what we do is we just persevere and try and survive it. When the Lord is wanting to give us keys to actually unlock these gates and actually change the atmosphere. So I just want you prophetically, 
if you're, if you're brave enough to do this. Because this is what we did in our staff retreat, and we're going to do it this afternoon. I don't want to tell you you have to do it, but I'm looking. So I'm kidding. So what I want you to do is I just want you to get a picture. I just want you to see these keys that are hanging over you. And I don't know, maybe it's the breakthrough for finances. Maybe, maybe the breakthrough for finances is actually a set of keys called finances. But there's a set. And I think he's good, and, and I think he wants, to, those keys are available for us. And I just, as a prophetic act, I just want you to reach up, and I want you to begin to grab these keys. Just go ahead, reach up and grab them. Just, just grab these keys. And the Lord might give you a picture. He might give you a phrase, like, here's the key to your finances, or grab the keys for conversion in your home. Grab the keys that says there's going to be peace in my home. Grab the keys to those relationships that are going to be healed. And he wants to give us these keys that he actually, not only did he purchase, he actually went and got them. And he wants to give them to you. And so would you just go ahead as a prophetic act, just take the keys. Just take them. Just take them. You don't even know maybe what you're grabbing. You're just grabbing keys. But the Lord does. And the Lord, I just pray, God, that you would give revelation over these keys right now to every single person in this place. Keys to ministry, keys to unlock nations, keys to unlock cities, keys to unlock school systems, keys to unlock mountains in the the context of the seven mountains, the business in the marketplace. God, we're reaching for these keys. God, I pray that we would really become the head and not the tail. God, that we move from being victims to being victors. God, that we're not going to settle for a life that's in survival mode. That's not what your word says. Your word says we're more than conquerors through those who are in Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray that we come in line with your word, that we live up to, Lord, your word and the promises of God that that you have for us. So we reach up this afternoon. We grab these keys. And some of these keys are so personal that no one ever would even... Like, I believe that God wants to give you keys to unlock the gates that, are, that have you trapped in pornography. Things that, that we are shameful about, that we, we are doing in secret. He wants, to break, he wants to set you free, and He wants to give you keys from heaven to do so. Just reach up and grab them. Just reach up and grab them. So we, we unlock those gates with the keys from heaven for breakthrough, for deliverance, for salvation, for healing, for greater levels of anointing, for reaching nations, reaching cities. And God, help us not to borrow keys unless it's your will that we borrow them. But I just wanted to focus on the uniqueness of your situation and the uniqueness of the keys of heaven. Believe me, there's not like 10 keys. I think there's millions of keys. And Father, as we close today, I pray that we would live as men and women of the light. 
We live from heaven to earth. And we bless our country. We bless our nation. We bless our president. We bless the Senate and the House. We bless our elected officials. And as people of another kingdom, of another government, from heaven to earth, Lord, we ask for the things that are tangible in heaven to be released to those that are on the earth. God, I pray for the angelic hosts that are a reality in heaven to be released over those that are in our house, our cabinet, our president, his cabinet, all of that. Lord, we just ask for a release of the angelic hosts. We ask for the release of the spirit of the living God. The wind of the spirit to blow in the Oval Office, the wind of the Spirit to blow in the White House, the wind of the Spirit to blow where, the, where our House meets and our Senate meets, the wind of the Spirit to blow in every governmental office all over our country, the wind of the Spirit to blow in every football stadium, the wind of the Spirit to blow. God, we are people who carry and bear the government of heaven, and we just want to release heaven to earth as the ecclesia of God to actually see nations disciples and, discipled and baptized for your glory and honor. Oh Lord, may we truly be the salt of the earth, just not talk about it. God, I pray that our Facebook posts reflect it. I pray our Twitter posts reflect it. I pray our Instagram posts reflect it. Our emails reflect it. Our blogs reflect it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so give someone next to you a high five. Say you're the ecclesia of God. You have power and authority. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more messages like this, please subscribe and thank you for listening.